0: welcome to some Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And
1: I am your co-host, Buddy.
0: And today we're going to go fast, but before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast.
1: Well, on this podcast, we like to talk about games, and a new video game movie has come out. It is Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie... Uh, starring James Marsden, Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz is Jean-Ralphio, famously in Parks and Rec. James Marsden is on Westworld. Uh, there's other people in there, but the person we really want to highlight for, for this cast, I'm sure, is returning favorite Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik, the the villain who I guess basically was just like, you know what? I've done the serious actor thing for a while. Let's like bring back that like Ace Ventura energy.
0: <laughs> and and that energy he does definitely bring to this role. Uh before we get too deep into it, buddy, you want to give your spoiler-free impression of this movie.
1: So my spoiler-free impression of this movie is that it like it sucks. And it sucks in a very bland, obvious like Way In that the bulk of the movie is a very, like, rote, typical family action comedy. You know, it's like a kids movie. It's like any of those sort of, like, B-list kids movies that we never end up going to see, right? Like, you know, the Despicable Me Minions kind of, kind of tier of things. So perhaps not as bad or as obnoxious as Minions are. Um, however, I don't want to take away from, like, the brief... And, like, beautiful points of light that are in this film, which happen to all emanate from the glowing visage of Mr. Jim Carrey. Uh, So, it is kind of just, like, watchable in the same way that Venom was watchable, because, like, the weirdness of that performance made that movie really great, while the weirdness of Jim Carrey's performance makes Sonic great. Uh, though I will say that overall Sonic is, like, worse than Venom because it's just kind of, like, more badder. But really, Jim Carrey is, like, absolutely amazing. And also, it's, like, really fun to meme about this movie. So if you want to yeah. be up on all the Twitter memes, you know where to go.
0: Yeah, I, I think I mostly agree with you. Like, like I, I think I, I want to highlight again that, like, this movie isn't bad. It's just kind of aggressively mediocre um, or aggressively kind of, like boring right and and, and, and in a way that like i think is like you know i really liked the first despicable me actually and i saw the minions movie and it wasn't that bad so so one thing that like a lot of these kids properties do is they have like they know that the parents are watching along and so they'll throw some things in for the parents to laugh at and but like even most of those jokes in these movies were kind of tame right like a lot of the better ones in children's movies are like things that are like hinting at like more adult themes but are so kind of like euphemized that like kids Mm. definitely won't get them but the parents can chuckle at them yeah Um, but the best you get in this movie is like a joke about tax dollars um and like in terms of like that subversive level of humor right like
1: yeah there yeah there's like not a ton
0: yeah there, but I, oh. I
1: I generally do agree with that assessment, and I think part of this is like the value proposition, right? Like I think a lot of people would say that movies that try hard and fail are like worse than these sorts of films, right? Like at the end of the day, Sonic the Hedgehog is like forgettably bad, whereas like uh you know like a Transformers movie or something is like aggressively bad, right? Like, yeah, it's like forcefully bad in a way. I don't subscribe to that same kind of philosophy, right? Like to me at least Transformers is, like, interesting and, like, trying to do stuff. The These kinds of forgettable, boring – these are, like, the movies that I'm, like, that is what a bad movie looks like. So part of that is, like – we're essentially saying the same thing, but there's, like, a different value proposition on sort of, like, what that archetype looks like in terms of good or bad film.
0: That's fair. Um, The only thing I will say, though, is that there are some pretty, like, deep-cut, like, memes that, like – like from like the real world um, that like I kind of wasn't expecting to see but they're not like obnoxiously referenced right so like um, or we,
1: uh, is this going to be another what are those thing
0: no 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 or,
1: or are you saying it's not that
0: it's not that I actually think it's well done okay. in this <laughs> um, okay fair enough Uh, like um, and like some of, the, some of them are very simple right like you know the name of the town that the main character lives in is Green Hills Right, like I thought that was like that's like just like kind of like very tame reference, but then there's stuff like fucking that Sanic cartoon drawing like like that hand drawn crayon drawing that like was a meme on the internet like shows up in this film, it's yeah like it's just like okay,
1: but like so when Sonic flosses,
0: which oh he does yeah, twice, that's bad that's okay all right, all, right. Yeah, all right
1: yeah i, I thought that's what you we were referencing when you No. About no you're, you're, I, you're, you're i see what you're saying i see what you're saying the deep yeah. the, those lord deep cuts were deep cuts <laughs> yeah
0: and, the, and they're they're fine and they're kind of fun right like mm-hmm. um but like sonic flossing is just like fucking shoot me twice. like he does it, yeah he does, he does it twice. twice and it's not even it's not even <laughs> like it's oh uh, jesus christ
1: yeah yep
0: All right, well, I guess guess we can get into spoilers. But, you know, just for you guys at home, you know, if you've seen a movie, you'll probably be able to guess the plot of this movie. So, you know, don't... I
1: I could not think of a movie where being spoiled on it would matter less. Because it's so, like, rote and predictable. They even... They enter the movie with the kind of in-media res thing where it's like, oh, I... You know, like... (laughs) The uh, freeze frame I bet you're wondering how I got here (laughs) (laughs) and they like rewind or whatever and it's like one of those things where because you see where it ends up you're just like oh I completely understand from point A to point B the entire trajectory of this movie without any like flaws
0: yeah and and like just kind of like starting from that moment right like this is your spoiler warning whatever if you want to go see it without being spoiled go do that but like starting at like that moment, like this, is the first time in a very, very long time that I've say, seen the freeze frame. Well, I guess you're wondering how I got here. Played straight, right? Like, I know. I, I thought the exact same thing. I was like, "Oh my god,
1: wow!" I thought we were over this when, like, Robot Chicken made fun of this trope ten years ago, and like, right? Like, die, like die, I would
0: have, I would have bought it. Like, it's, it is like the parody of the freeze frame. I bet you're wondering how I got here is, like, almost starting to get rote in its own way, right? Like, we could go, like, two two levels deep on the parody if we wanted to. Yeah, like,
1: the parody (laughs) walks the entire back. Like, it, like, comes around again. I feel this way. I mean, this is a tangent. I feel this way about people. The Super Bowl was recent. About people who, like, shit on, like, organized sports. Like, there was a while where, like, making sports ball jokes, like, good fucking touchdown in the right field where you're just, like, you know, laying it on that you don't understand the sport and you think sports are dumb. Like, there was a time when that was funny, and that time was also 10 years ago. We yeah. have rounded the block. It's okay. You can, like, earnestly watch the Super Bowl, people, right? Like, it is the version of like that has not happened for the freeze frame thing yet. It was hokey as fuck. It also felt very done in post. This is one of the things, like, part of what makes the freeze frame thing work is that it's a way that you can kind of shake up your movie without shooting any new material because it's the same material. You already shot this, right? You're just pulling a clip of it and putting it in the beginning and then adding a voiceover. And I think that they did that in post. I think that they added cuz Sonic Sonic's voiceover comes in in the weirdest places. He talks a bunch in the beginning and then like a little tiny smittering like throughout like the middle and then a bunch at the end and it's like you can tell that they were just like incredibly not confident in the setup for this movie. So they had to like have Sonic sit there and fucking explain it to you.
0: Yeah, I mean like I mean, you can you know that they were unconfident in this movie because they like went back and changed all the fucking like animations on Sonic because people laughed at yeah, the two yeah. <laughs> and now
1: people are like, uh, okay. I mean, honestly, I think the the cultural crater surrounding Sonic is honestly more interesting than like the movie itself. So I apologize <laughs> if we dwell on some of this stuff, but okay, I think the funnier part of that is all the people making takes like yeah see you listen to the gamers the gamers will tell you to do oh it God. right <laughs> which is like it was not earnest criticism from these people yelling about how the sonic d character design looks terrible that was just memes it was memes people were making fun of you because it was terrible right like and so i, j- I it is it's ridiculous it is just all patently fucking ridiculous
0: <laughs> It is it is ridiculous, but I I do want to say that like I have been thoroughly enjoying like the other side of this, which is like people like making up stories about how terrible Sonic is and to go watch Birds of Prey instead, because like there's a, apparently these movies hate each other. I don't know. I don't think the the. People oh my who work god! I actually true.
1: I also very much hate that because like okay so Birds of Prey is an R-rated female-led action movie, and it has a much let like, a much-reduced budget compared to, like, most, like, superhero fare, right? Like, about $75 million, which is, like, fairly cheap, right? Most superheroes, going to be a million, or a hundred million plus. Um... And so Birds of Play opened pretty soft, right? And it kind of, like, whiffed on expectations. But it was a very cheap movie, and it was aiming for, like, a very different crowd or whatever. So it's fine, but, like, everybody on the internet freaked out at it. And I kind of – I don't want to both sides this, but it is sort of a both-sides issue because, like, on one hand, you have sort of, like, chuds who are just like, see they ruined the women, they ruined comic book movies. But then you have people on the other side that's like, Birds of Prey is a smashing success. All of these chuds are so wrong. It's like, ah, it's really not true. It's like guys, very middle of the road, you guys. It can just to... have a normal, you know, like, we need to that's support... Okay. Oh. <laughs>
0: we need to support Birds of Prey because it's the first female superhero movie. Right? I know. It's right?
1: like what the fuck? This is so it's uh, it's ridiculous. It's just like it is ridiculous. Uh, yeah. and so yeah, people have been pitting Sonic up against Birds of Prey. Sonic, the like PG kids movie oh, yeah. about a talking hedgehog that <laughs> inexplicably wears white gloves like versus the hard R movie where a guy gets kicked off of a pier with a grenade in his pocket, and then you watch as he explodes! Like, how on earth are you thinking that these two movies are, like, comparable?
0: So, uh, uh. so speaking of grenades, I do want to point out that there is clearly a, a scene in this movie that kind of, like, didn't get properly edited after the new kind of character design. Like, <laughs> Wait, so what scene a- is that? See, now I want to so- know. So there's a moment where Sonic gets, like, a Robotnik bomb stuck to his, his hand. Now, his hand is covered in a glove, right? And, you know, what do you <laughs> he could just take off the glove. But they clearly either didn't, like, render his fingers underneath that glove. Or, you know, like, they, they didn't want to render those fingers underneath his glove. Or the original Sonic didn't have gloves on. So, like, yeah. like
1: Oh, my God. I didn't catch that. But that is amazing! Oh god, that's really funny. That's like almost like a plot hole thing, you yeah, know? No. Like, like, it's <laughs> it's not like a real plot hole, but like it is sort of. And it's like the kind of thing that if we were watching Cinema Sins, they would be like, "Why didn't
0: Sonic just take off his glove with the fucking bomb on it?" Yeah. So, so like I noticed it at that level when I was when I was watching the movie, right? And like it, like you said, right, it's kind of like ah, oh, whatever, right? But then um. Uh, credit to Castle Super Beast Pat who pointed this out, which is like they clear this clearly didn't get solved because they had to do like some like it, there was probably it's a, probably a VFX problem, right? Like yeah. that they didn't want to re-render the hand or like they just didn't have the 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 like you know it was built before the uh, the the transition happened. So um, yeah, uh, I got yeah. the sense with the transition that what they did
1: was they basically just pulled out all of the old... They, like, essentially kind of, like, updated the model in the way that, like, wow, would, like, update a character. You know, like, you would take the old, classic, blocky human texture, and you say, okay, we're replacing all these textures with, like, good high-poly textures or whatever. I think that's exactly what they did. Yeah. Um, And, you know, like, they wouldn't have been able to, like, shoot new footage where Sonic takes off a glove because the original footage didn't have that.
0: Yeah, and and not only that, but, like like a video game where everything's kind of like rendered on your computer as it's happening and as a result is of lower quality to get like these super high qualities you have to kind of like pre-animate everything and then it takes a while for those computers to render things so like mm-hmm. putting stuff editing stuff in the middle there is, is usually no no small feat from what I understand
1: yeah um, I mean you could tell with certain other like there's a lot of like small I don't know what I would call this VFX bullshit you know like where I don't know. Sonic is standing or sitting in such a way that you can tell, like, his feet aren't hitting like the floor, right? Or, like, um, this happened all the time with the lip syncing. Like, you can tell they kind of did, like, a lip sync pass, but it just, like, wasn't super great. So he kind of has this, like, old 1960s anime quality of just kind of, like, opening and closing his mouth without his lips moving in complicated ways to make, like, P or B sounds or whatever. Um, stuff like like that kind of stuff I felt like was all over the movie.
0: Yeah, and I, I think some of that mouse stuff is also, like, you can basically, like, dub it in other languages easier, right? Like, mm. you don't have to worry about doing a repass on, on like, the German version or whatever. Um, uh, but also, like, you can also see that, like, Sonic and humans don't interact a lot. Like, um, Like, you know, Sonic is shown to be basically pretty weak. Um, which I think is kind of interesting from, like, a storytelling perspective, right? Like, there's the scene in the bar where he, like, punches a guy a bunch of times. But he, like, basically doesn't affect the guy, right? And, uh, like, like I think it's serves sort of a valid story purpose. But what that also means is that you don't have to, like, have the person react to the CG model touching him in any way, shape, or form, right? Like,
1: Oh, yeah, like the tennis ball doesn't, like, bap his head or whatever?
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that kind of thing. Um or more like you know like the guy he punches right like because his punches are weak the guy doesn't like have to like fake react to somebody hitting him in the head he just kind of like stands there yeah um and i don't think basically anybody touches sonic with like like maybe a couple of exceptions but like that's like like you know like doing like say fur deformation i know it's like a computationally expensive thing um and so if, you know, if no one ever touches Sonic, then it's not a problem type of thing. No, deal.
1: you can tell that because there I, – I thought this moment was also hilarious where he walks in and he's – like, Sonic is knocked out or whatever. But he's, like, put an entire sheet over Sonic like he's dead.
0: Oh, You know, shit. and you can tell
1: that it's just – they're doing that so that they can, like, load up, like, a prosthetic in there or whatever. Um, and he can sit and he can run all of his dialogue without them having to like VFX Sonic in his hands. I think they do at the very end, but um, this is like one of the points where the uh, like it just like looked bad, where the model was not like right. Um,
0: but yeah, the, you could tell that they were like cutting those corners all over the place. Yeah. So, you did you watch this with uh, with 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 Rachel? Yeah. Yeah, she's the one who picked up on most of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I was gonna say I respect <laughs> that because um, I I didn't like I didn't pick up on a ton of these things, but like I, that's why that's why asked figured she. Yeah,
1: I mean, she, she obviously has an eye for this stuff because, like, yeah. you know, like animation is her thing. So, uh, shout out, shout out to Rachel, my loving wife, who is giving me all this great fodder for this fucking podcast
0: yeah. episode. <laughs> <sighs> but uh, yeah, so the other thing that uh, that kind of stuck out at me was just like how how nothing James Marsden's character is like he is like the most kind of like blank slate character i think i've seen in a piece of media in a long time he's just like so like nothing right like and so like unaffected right like like uh what is it dude like dude's like wanted by the fbi and he's just like oh well that's unfortunate just kind of, like, keeps going about his fucking day, right? Like, what the, like, I don't know. The funny thing about that is that, like, that's,
1: like, a really serious plot point and, like, high, it's, like, a high-stakes situation. Like, okay, so, um something that I've been watching recently, I watched two shows really recently, which was uh, Parks and Rec and The Good Place, which are both done by this guy named Michael Schur. And something I noticed in my, like, watches of these kind of, like, in high concentration binging is that those shows for, like, sitcoms, right? Those shows have huge, intensely high stakes. Because, like, you know, in The Good Place, it is all about, like, the fate of your eternal soul in the afterlife, right? And in um, in Parks and Rec, like, it's just the the circumstances of the town are just, like, constantly against like the characters and part of that is just for comedy right like it is funny that like leslie nope wants to you know whatever like regulate soda sizes because like Paunch burger is selling the kid's size which is 50 for 500 ounces which is a gallon which is the size of a children or or like a child like that's just like funny and absurd or whatever but it also is just kind of like it it raises the stakes and it makes their It, like, includes some very high drama, and that's not something you typically see in a sitcom, and in the same way that you don't typically see that in a kid's movie, right, like, the drama can get, like, you know, uh, like, personal and, like, emotive, right, but at the end of the day, there's, like, not all that much going on, but, like, yeah... Fucking James Marsden being wanted for the by the FBI for like striking a government officer or whatever, and like he's spread it the like spreading his face all over the news. I was just like struck by this moment of just being like, wow, that is like intensely high drama for like a fucking kids movie, because like I, I I it just doesn't go that far normally.
0: Yeah, and like and like, the, but they still play it like a kids movie where like, you know. It's a problem, theoretically, but it's not like anybody, like, on the street is like, oh, it's that terrorist, right? Like, it's just... Yeah, yeah. They
1: literally call
0: him a terrorist!
1: And I was just like, oh, my God.
0: And And then he he walks into a, a, like, a, a, you know, a landmark in San Francisco and just says, I'm a cop, and nobody, like, bats an eye, (laughs) right? Like, it's like, oh, I guess he's a cop, right? Like, I guess... He doesn't look like that terrorist we saw on TV. Yeah, I mean, this is just part of where, like, the
1: movie is, like, lazy and bad, right? Like, you know, obviously he's being recognized all over the place as this, like, crazy terrorist or whatever. Um, But, like, the one moment where he conveniently needs to not be recognized, he's not recognized. Uh, Yeah, especially in the the landmark in San Francisco.
0: Yeah. Um, Uh, You know, and just, but, like, you know, like kid movie logic, right? Like, you know. When and then when they go up to go up the elevator in that landmark, they like he's like, Yes, I have a child in the bag and it's not mine. And the child is like, I can't breathe. And the people are just like, Whoa, I guess I better walk away. And, and like, never yeah, that
1: was I mean, to be honest with you, that stuff is kind of like legitimately funny in like the absurd Tom Hardy yeah, venom sure. sort of way. Where it's just like and the the, the punchline is sort of not that Sonic says, I can't breathe, and, like, these people think that there's a child in the bag. The punchline is that the people just
0: walk away with, like, disconcerted looks on their face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and th- that's fine. It just, like, kind of, like, it works weirdly in with kind of, like, the rest this, the rest of the movie, which is, you know, it's it just kind of, like, whatever. Right? Like, this is directly before Robotnik shows up on the roof anyway, so it's not like it's a big deal.
1: Yeah, well, well, so we should talk about Robotnik because he's obviously the best part of this. Just whole, he's sure. just such a he's such a fucking mood. Just like every scene he was in, I was just like, "Thank you, thank God, thank you, Jesus, for bringing me Jim Carrey in this movie." I kind of forgot. Like nobody does this. Nobody does that. Kind of like incredibly hyper, but also like I don't know how to put it. Like sharp and snappy. Like movement it is his thing
0: yeah only
1: he can do it and i have not seen it for 20 fucking years
0: yeah no absolutely and it plays fucking great like like (laughs) like i think my favorite scene in the movie is the one where he's like dancing in his fucking trailer to like to like his like analysis of this like piece of fur and then like his assistant shows up behind him and is singing along and scares the shit out of him. Like it just like it just works so well for like such a stupid fucking scene. Oh. I
1: honestly, I honestly think my favorite part of the movie is the very end when he's on like the mushroom planet and he picks up the rock and he does the rock pun. He look, he picks up this rock that kind of vaguely looks like it's a face. And his assistant the entire time is Agent Stone, right? So he looks at the rock and he says, Well, we're certainly in it now, Agent Stone. Why don't you perform some reconnaissance? And then the camera zooms out and you see him like huck the rock like five feet. And it's just the perfect Jim Carrey thing. And I just missed it. My whole life, I cannot believe it has been so long since I have seen this again. I mean, I love Jim Carrey. Did, did you, like, come up on Jim Carrey movies? Because I feel like I did. I don't, you know, I don't like,
0: know if I'd say I came up on him, but I definitely okay. saw some. And Because, you know, like,
1: you know, The Mask, the Ace Ventura movies. I loved the second Ace Ventura movie, and I quote it constantly. Um, like, there's this part in that movie where they, they're driving, like, a Jeep. The whole thing takes place in Africa. He's, like, driving this Jeep. And he just like abruptly turns into the jungle and he completely, he's like blitzing through bushes and like trees and the Jeep is getting all fucked up. And as he gets close to the, like as he gets close to the building that they're going, he like whips hard on the steering wheel and turns the Jeep into a giant full bot, like end over end roll where it's just, it's like going and it flips like six times and then it lands magically in the parking space. And he just looks out and he, and he looks to the, to the next New Year's car, which is like a couple of inches away. And he just says, like a glove. And I have been quoting that every time I have parked a fucking car for years. (laughs) Cause I just thought like, it's just such a good bit, but only somebody like him could carry that bit. And only somebody like him could bring that, to I guess this this whole movie like even the way he just like walks up James Marsden's stairs when he's like showing up to ask about like Sonic because he tracked the Sonic radiation to James Marsden house or whatever it's just like Jim Carrey you're a fucking treasure you're a masterpiece.
0: So so the, the probably the iconic movie for me with him is, is is I think it's Liar Liar it's the one where he's like oh yeah a, that's a good lawyer one. that can't lie for a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and like he's like relatively normal in that one, except when like he has to like force himself around, him and then he goes into his antics. But like he's just like he's he's just good at it, right? Like it, like you said, it's like it's 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 a thing that is unique to him, and uh, it's been missing while he's been doing what? Like what was it? Tw- Twenty three was that movie? I mean, he
1: yeah, uh, he did like the Truman Show. He's on a TV show now. It actually like hashtag sponsored a friend of mine, um, or a friend of mine, more accurately, a friend of mine's daughter. Uh, is on his TV show Kidding, which is about like a like oh, a sad...
0: it's it's he's, he's like the Mister Rogers character, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, so yeah, sure. I have
1: I have friends uh, uh, who work on that show, and oh. um, uh, it's uh, to be honest. It's a great show, and he's good in it. Like it, it's funny because he's just he is a really good. I mean, we've all seen this Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind, the Truman Show. He's also great in right. Like I don't think it's controversial to say that Jim Carrey is really solid and dramatic places too but honestly man this guy all i want all have i want s- is to see him do more comedy movies like this one
0: have, have you seen jim and andy oh
1: yes the the netflix special right yeah yes. that was honestly spooky like yeah it that was, was like fucking weird it was like, weird as fuck
0: <laughs> yeah uh yeah i highly you know, so for everybody out there um jim carrey plays so Jim, Car- it's it's a documentary about Jim Carrey playing a playing like a playing Andy Kaufman in a biopic about Andy Kaufman, and like, it, I, did that movie actually come out? Yeah,
1: it came out like twenty years ago. It's called okay. Man on the Moon, I think. Right, right, right. Yeah, so um, this is a
0: documentary about the making of Man on the Moon, um, and the documentary
1: is just weird as fuck.
0: Yeah, it, it, because they like I think he hired the documentary crew. To like, fall like like that was part of it too, right? It's like he like he knew there wanted to be a doc. He, he wanted to make a documentary about the experience, and like Jim Carrey's basically method acting is just like so absurd, right? Like you had like Andy Kaufman's family like crying because they thought they got like another day with Andy, right? But then like it's, it was just like fucking. I, I that was to- that
1: was the moment where I was just like, oh my, oh my god, <laughs> like because like you could tell. These people had reached a real and, like, profound catharsis, right? And I was just like, but that's Jim Carrey, you guys. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> like, guys,
1: haven't you ever seen Ace Ventura? Come on. Like, that's Jim Carrey, dudes. <laughs> and, like, I don't want to, like, shit on their, you know, like, I don't want to shit on their, like, moment of deep emotional, like, truth or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, that was – what, a, what yeah. a doc. What a documentary.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, 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 yeah, sorry. I, I, I lost my train of thought. No worries. Uh, Yeah.
1: The funny, one of the funny thing about, uh, Jim Carrey is that I, for the longest time associated him with SNL because like, he also was on a sketch comedy show. And I was thinking like, I thought of SNL as being like that or whatever, um, it was in
0: Living Color, right?
1: Yeah, but he was in, in Living Color, which was, like, the Canadian SNL. He's Canadian, which I also didn't know for, yeah. like, the longest time. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, so I, like, I, like later – because there's a bunch of, like, skits of him doing things that were, like – I guess got, like, weirdly famous in, like, a clip show sort of way. When I was in college, like, we would watch these, like, YouTube clips – um of just all sorts of things and some of it was like jim carrey there's also like mad tv or whatever um and i just it seemed he seems like an snl guy right like he seems like a chevy chase kind of you know whatever but yeah he was not i guess yeah
0: um but to get back to the uh the sonic movie i guess uh Oh, uh something else I wanted to touch on was the uh was was the uh the thing that I thought was the most obnoxious, which was the uh the the like kind of blatant product placement. Yeah. Um the uh the first one being the Zillow ad which was like, you know, I'll go find apartments that we can move into on Zillow and then the camera zooms in on the fucking screen with Zillow on it. And I was like, "Okay, that's bad, but whatever." And then, and then, like, there's another one where it's, like, uh, Olive Garden, right? Like, you know, like, you know, like, uh, I love going to Olive Garden. Okay, that's obvious, but whatever, it's fine. But then at the end, where the fucking general shows up and gives them an Olive Garden gift card, and it's, like, their endless soup and salad is incredible. It's just, like, Jesus fucking Christ, people. Like, this, like, like, I have never seen, like, a moment in a movie play out, like, a literal commercial like that does, right? Like, it... Am I just like not tuned into like kids' movies enough? Is this like a normal thing? Like, I, I you know, I, I've seen product placement before, but it's never been this bad, at least at least in, in my memory. Do you, you have any thoughts on that? Boy, that is a good question.
1: I want, well, so, okay, so the famous product placement movie that I think of is Power Rangers. Um, one of the things about the Power Rangers movie, okay, so one of the things about Chaim Saban, who's the guy that like owns power rangers he understands that power rangers is like this gigantic cash cow but he's like an intense miser. and the guy's a billionaire he's like an intense miser about his money right like he shipped power rangers to new zealand because like hiring new zealand actors and just having all of the power rangers inexplicably inexplicably have new zealand accents was just like so much cheaper than like you know shooting it in the states or whatever else right um, yeah, and half the and footage so, is
0: from is from Japanese shows, right? Like,
1: yeah, the, like this, and this is the, yeah, that's the whole premise of Power Rangers, right? Is that most of the footage comes from Japanese Super Sentai shows, and they just repurpose all of the expensive fight scenes by shooting like you know, kind of cartilage, story structure stuff in between in order to kind of like bridge the gaps between those fight scenes. So like the whole thing is basically like a you know, an effort to cheat to to do to produce something as cheap as possible, essentially. Um and so what he did with the Power Rangers movie, when it was starting to just cost like a regular ass movie, is he was like, Nope, you know what? We're selling out. And he sold uh he he asked for a bunch of product placement money from Krispy Kreme. So Krispy Kreme got to essentially, like, rewrite the back half of the script. And there's a moment where the Rita Repulsa, who's played by Elizabeth Banks, like, her big giant monster is, like, wreaking havoc and fucking wherever, And she walks into a Krispy Kreme donut shop that has been, like, ravaged by the destruction of this monster. She reaches in, picks up a glazed donut, walks out into the destruction. She takes a bite of the glazed donut and she says... That tastes great. And I was just like, I can't believe this is real. And I'm probably misquoting it because I haven't seen it in like three years or whatever. But it's just like fucking ridiculous. And I think the Olive Garden stuff in Sonic the Hedgehog was worse. Yeah.
0: No. Like, to be fair, like, to to give it a little bit of credit, at least it's played like a lame gift. Right? At least he's not like, this is the greatest thing I've ever received. You know, it's at least that self-effacing. But, like, you know, are, do, you, do you know what unlimited breadsticks, like, slash are unlimited breadsticks? Oh, yeah. The, oh, my
1: God. I am. I. There was a while where I got really obsessed with it because people have all these theories that it's, like, real or
0: that it's fake. right? Yeah, yeah like, whether on or not it's a hill corporate or not.
1: Yeah. So, like, on its face, unlimited breadsticks looks like. It's a, it's a subreddit that celebrates the fact that Olive Garden has unlimited breadsticks, right? And then but in a ver-
0: very delicious. meany way, right? Like, right. Like but, it,
1: like, in a way that, like. It wants to pretend that it's like corporate marketing speak like, oh, try out the new delicious, you know, salted garlic breadsticks come coming soon to an Olive Garden near you or whatever. That just like feels like an ad read. Right. But like, is that satire? Is it?
0: Yeah, Is it if we it come back to well, Yeah, like, it's yeah. just like
1: and you can go forever with it. And people have all of these theories about it. And there's actually like really complex like conspiracy theorizing about like certain posts and like certain users who post a lot. They're like, Is this an Olive Garden employee? You know, like or whatever. <laughs> I got really deep in it like six years ago, to be honest. (laughs) Because, like, there was just a really... Somebody made, like, a compilation thread of just, like, all of the proof that this one person was secretly an Olive Garden employee whose only job was to post to Unlimited Breadsticks. And it's just like, okay, well, how do you... uh, How do you know this person isn't just memes? Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe somebody out there is just spending conveniently eight hours every day from 9 to 5 Eastern, like, posting in this subreddit incredibly blatant marketing speak or whatever. Like, maybe that's just what they do for the fucking
0: Like They're they're doing it specifically so you think that they're an Olive Garden employee even though they're not. Yeah, and there's
1: just no way to know. There's, like, no way to get to the other side of it. I mean, there's, like, a bunch of these, like – do you know, like, Lake City Quiet Pills?
0: No, I'm not familiar with that.
1: Okay, well, so – wow, really? Uh, So Lake City Quiet Pills is, like, another famous Reddit conspiracy theory – um the that one is that there's like a private subreddit called like r Lake City Quiet Pills and there's like a really prominent reddit user who's like associated there's like a youtube video and all this stuff or whatever but essentially like what it boils down to is that there is probably a, a subreddit that has now been deleted but like was around for a long time um and an associated website which was lakecityquietpills.com that was like a dark web sort of um like underground like if you wanted to get like a fucking hitman, you would go oh. to like Lake City Quiet Pills. So Lake City, like Iowa or something, is where a, like a major ballistics manufacturer is. So Lake City Quiet Pills are bullets, and like,
0: uh.
1: yeah. And so it's like there's there's a bunch of it. There's there's a great video. Just like Google Lake City Quiet Pills YouTube video, and it'll like lay all this out or whatever. But like there are conspiracy theories about this kind of thing on Reddit all the uh, about, like all the time. And but seeing it that applied to unlimited breadsticks which to be honest the stakes are incredibly low who cares if Olive Garden is like you know sitting in a fucking <laughs> sitting, sitting in that subreddit advertising garlic bread or whatever it is they're advertising to you compared to like Lake City Quiet Pills which is like you know a fucking hitman service um uh, but yeah so I, I don't even know where I was going with this what is that what is like that
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know how he got here. I don't know how he got here. Anyway, so yeah, so it's Sonic the Hedgehog, they keep turning to the camera essentially and saying go to Olive Garden. And it's like really blatant and obvious. What, what that that's it. That's the point. Yeah. Next next tweet. <laughs>
0: Oh God! Oof. Okay, uh, I'm okay. We're good. <laughs> so, so I've I've got a, a, a segue for you. Uh, and this, so, in much the same way, there is there is another subreddit called Sex Cells where like women will literally sell like their used panties or whatever, right? Like that's like a like a thing that they will, as well as like other various erotic stuff. In contrast, the Sonic movie has like nothing, right? Like even in like you know like there is a married couple. And they like barely like look at each other, much less, like like it, it feels like so. It just stuck out at me because it's like so, like like usually in PG movies you can get like you know like you know like romance right like you know like uh, you know like caring loving relationship that's like accentuated with like a kiss or something right like you know show that they're but like it felt so sterile, right and so so like pulled back in like a way that, that like I, I think it contributed to the feeling that this movie is like very very much. Uh, a, a kids movie, yeah. Um, uh, and I, I don't know. It like it felt like it, like I feel like you can get away with like more in G movies. So it just felt really weird that it was so sterile. Do, 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 you, do you feel that? Am I crazy?
1: No, I also get that. This is part of what like attributes to like it being super super boring. It honestly kind of feels like um, it feels sanded down. You know, okay. it feels that like there might have been a little bit of like, not like edge, but like personality to some of these, to some of these characters. And they probably just kind of got like, I don't know, stripped out from like studio notes and all that other stuff. Um, which, yeah I got, you know, yeah, the, that happens all the time.
0: Yeah, like if, if, if you told me that this movie was like designed by committee primarily, right, and the director didn't have a ton of control I would believe that. Well, do do who who's the director for this movie? Is did he? Uh, so the director the
1: is a guy named Jeff uh, Fowler. It is his first like director's credit. The thing that he is uh, on his IMDb page known for is like uh, like a visual effects kind of guy.
0: Okay, okay, that makes that makes sense, right? Because this, this, like to its credit, right? Like Sonic's fur looks pretty good, considering, right? Like you know that's the like the 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 graphical tricks look like pretty good. Like that that first scene where Baby Sonic is running around on the uh, on the on the on the island, I thought looked pretty decent. Um, mm. I didn't think it was like mind shattering or anything, but you know, I thought it was I thought it was it was it was good. Um, speaking of which, uh, I have seen I have seen a hashtag that I that I would like to amplify, and that is like release release the ugly cut for like we got to <laughs> see what. We got to see what this movie looked like with the original Sonic, specifically what Baby Sonic looked like before the re-edit.
1: I didn't even think about that. That's amazing. Yeah, Yeah. I mean that's one of the weird parts about the movie. Is like, okay, so the, the movie opens on a on another planet, right, where Sonic is like running around and like doing stuff, and then he like attracts the attention of these like evil guys, and his mom is like an owl or like an eagle or something. And um, and she fucking dies in, like, the first two minutes after this, like, whole thing where she, like, flies and then she gets, like, shot with an arrow and, like, plummets to the ground in, like, excruciating, like, Dragon Ball Z kind of, like, kapoof and, like, like slides through the dirt or whatever. And I was just like, whoa, what a brutal start to the fucking Sonic movie over here. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and like I'm pretty sure those are supposed to be like echidnas of some sort, right? Like, this is clearly like a setup for like a larger Sonic verse if Sega wants yeah. to do it, right? Like, um, and if you notice, she doesn't actually die on screen. Like, I am waiting for like the gritty, like, like Shadow the Hedgehog sequel where they find out that Longclaw's alive and been tortured for like 15 years. Yeah, <laughs> and we they need to go rescue her or something. All oh, right, um, Long Claw—that's
1: her name. See, I, the, yeah. the other thing is that, like, there isn't very advanced lore here.
0: So, yeah, what? So like, that's, that's the thing. There, there is deep Sonic lore, right? Like, the ID—I think it's IDW does a comic that's very well regarded. Um, apparently, like, very adult as well. Really? Um, I see, I see pages from it on on the Super Best Friends subreddit. I don't read it myself, but I've heard that it is very good. I've heard the older Archie Sonic comics. I think it was Archie Comics did the, did a Sonic run were of varying quality, but, like, the later stuff was supposed to be good. Yeah, I mean, Um,
1: IDW is also, like, people who do Transformers, which is also, like, apparently amazing. Like, the Transformers comics are, like, super, super good or whatever. But, yeah, but, like, you know, in general, the movie doesn't really care all that much about, like, Sonic's, like, video. Like, the rings are there. (sighs) You know, Dr. Robotnik is obviously there. And then, like, the the small little things will get mentioned, right? Like Green Hills or whatever, you know, which is, yeah. like, the Green Hills zone. Um, but th- but of the lore that we got, most of it comes from this opening, like, sequence. Where it literally looks like the Green Hills zone, right? Like, inc- yeah. including, like, the choppy sort of, like, pixelized square things that are in those mountains. Um,
0: yeah. So, Yeah. Yeah, and and just to that point, Long Claw is not a deep lore character, at least not one of any significance, right, from any of the previous previous entries, right? Because there there are Sonic lore heads that have been that you know, I haven't seen an exhaustive list yet, but there are people like you know, like being like, oh, well, all these things are in here, um, right, like like you know, in the game, obviously the rings that you collect are are like uh. A life thing right rather than like a, and like a score thing rather than like a warp thing but someone pointed out that like the way you get to the bonus levels is you jump through a giant ring so that is kind of like you know
1: oh yeah I didn't yeah. actually think about that I also thought the rings yeah. were, were weird Yeah. Um, but that actually makes a certain amount of sense wow okay actually I guess the Sonic lore or like the Sonic deep cuts are realer than I gave credit for
0: yeah I mean the other part of this too is that like even though it doesn't seem to care too much about the sonic lore, it does do some like weird world building right like like uh you know like sonic mentions kind of offhand that all advanced civilization use rings for travel like like what like what does the rest of this world look like right like Mm-hmm. That there, that like, not only are there other civilizations, but like Sonic knows enough about them to know that everybody uses rings to do interdimensional travel,
1: and he has uh, a huge number of rings, right? Like, yeah, he has a bunch of them in that little sack or whatever of his.
0: Yeah, like uh, like it's not a plot point that he's gonna run out of them, which I assume will but will be a thing in like you know Sonic Seven, yeah, rise of fucking the you know Big the Cat or whatever, um, uh. But, yeah. um Yeah, it's... I, 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 I was always the Nintendo kid, so I don't have as much influence or care for Sonic. Um, but, at, like, so the, the the funny thing, at least, is, is that, like, all of the mainline Sonic games have been pretty terrible for a while now. Um, so a lot of, like... A lot of the kind of, like, commentary I've seen in kind of, like, the Sega Circles is, like, well... At least it wasn't as bad as like the newest Sonic game. That wasn't like, wow, uh, Sonic Mania, right? Sonic Mania so, was like wh- a fan project that got like ascended.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think that there was that. That was something else I was kind of like thinking about, right? Like, so one of the things that I sort of like uniquely evaluate, you know, like these movies on, isn't just kind of like an adherence to like lore or whatever, but to like you know feel like almost like the i don't know it's like it's like an aesthetic thing that is specific to like mechanics right for instance like in the pokemon movie right like the or not the pokemon movie in like the detective pikachu movie right like throwing the pokeball out so that it summons a pokemon and you're having like an underground pokemon fight or whatever Like, that is all true to form based on what we understand of, like, the mechanics of a Pokemon game, right? Or, like, in, you know, in, like, World of Warcraft, when Gul'dan, or not World of Warcraft, but, like, in the Warcraft movie, when, like, Gul'dan is casting a spell, I could recognize that spell and say, oh, hey, Warlocks have that spell. It's called Hand of Gul'dan. It does this, or whatever the case may be, right? Um... Sonic felt like it didn't have any of that stuff because, like, the main kind of mechanical trait of Sonic isn't quite, like, super speed speed in the way that, like, it was represented in the movie, which is very, like, Quicksilver from X-Men sort of speed where, like, he's moving at normal speed but just really fast and so that everybody's, like, in slow-mo or whatever. In Sonic games, it's much more about, like, momentum. Right, where yeah. like you need to be getting up to top speed and then like maintaining your top speed with a variety of different like things, right? And so like for instance, there are functions in the game to get you up to max speed if you are not currently at max speed. So you know you get hit by a thing, you lose all of your rings, you collect a bunch of them up, and then you go hit like the bumpers or whatever, and immediately you're getting to be- to max speed. The point there is not like being you know i mean like it's not about like going fast it's about like the balance and and the twitch kind of like can you deal with these things as they pop up in an instantaneous sort of like twitch reaction way and so like sonic slowing everything down to do the quicksilver thing like three fucking times it felt like he did that Um, just felt, like, really off-brand from that sort of, like, mechanics perspective. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, also, like, kind of in that same vein, he's not usually that fast. Um, Although, I I bet you that's the type of thing that shifts with the author in terms of, like I said, I haven't read the IDW stuff, but I could see that, like, that's the sort of thing I could see, like, shifting with the author like other comics do. But um, the other part of that was at least kind of, like, annoying to me. Um, was that like he does it three times, but not when James Marsden goes to shoot him with the tranquilizer dart? Right? Like,
1: <laughs> I noticed that one too, actually. Uh, that was another one where I was like, uh, What? What's up? What's up, bud?
0: Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I you know, that's like a common kids' movies thing, right? Like, where, um, where like the powers will work that way until they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, even know,
1: just like that, like somebody gets wanged in the head with a shovel, and then they get knocked out and brought into another thing, and they're like, "Ah, yeah, like yeah, that's, yeah. you know." Every yeah. really, my point is, everything about that is trite.
0: Yeah, 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 um, and you know, like, like, so I generally like those scenes. Um, like, I I was a big fan of the Quicksilver one um, set to I think it was Sweet Dreams in. Uh, one Apocalypse? of the... I think it was Apocalypse, right? Like, I, Apocalypse you know, was the one that I think was Sweet Dreams. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it wasn't a great movie, but it was still a great, a fun scene, right? Like, um, these, like, were okay, but they were a little bit slapstick and, like... Or they were a lot slapstick, actually, is probably the better way to put it. It's just kind of like, whatever, right? Like, and it doesn't feel... I don't know, it didn't feel right to me. But, uh, you know... But, yes, I definitely agree with you that the field is not like... The mechanical feel, for lack of a better term, doesn't seem to to, to match up. Um, also, especially since, like, apparently the big thing is, like, he can generate electricity from himself, which also isn't, like, a real thing, right? Like, Yeah, see, I thought that w- there
1: was, like, a moment when they were, like, fighting the tank where he did the thing, which is, like, the the Sonic thing, right? Like, it's in Smash Brothers, yeah, the, right? The Spin Dash? Yeah. yeah, the Spin Dash, exactly. Um... And I was like, oh, that's that's it, right? They do this whole thing with the tank, which, by the way, so I thought, I thought almost all the action here was just garbage. Um, but yeah. the little gimmick of the tank breaking up into being a smaller tank each time it got destroyed, I thought was fucking hilarious, and I laughed my ass <laughs> off. But anyway, so he did that, and I was like, oh, that's it. He's unlocked spin dashing, right, as part of this thing, and that's how he's going to, like you know, beat Robotnik or whatever, but they were just like, no, we're just going to keep repeating this like plot point over and over again. Or this like, yeah. this like, you know, s- s- slow, slow time thing.
0: Yeah. So, so, so minor point. So Sonic does this thing where he gives people like stupid nicknames, right? Like he gives, uh, like he, he calls James Marsden's character donut Lord. He calls his wife, pretzel lady, Right, like, and I assume that that was a way for them to kind of, like, figure out how you call Robotnik Eggman, but I don't remember them actually establishing, like, him make- giving Robotnik that nickname. Nick no, man. he does, he does, and he calls okay. it,
1: and the weird thing is, I don't even know why Robotnik is called Eggman in, like, real Sonic lore, um, but in the movie, it's because he references the robots are like eggs, Oh, and he's okay. like, oh, you know He the weird thing is that he knows he's named Robotnik. He's like, I'm gonna stop you, Doctor Robotnik, and your white flying egg. So I'm gonna stop you, Eggman And I was like, What? Why didn't he fucking say it like twice like that? That's dumb. But uh who knows? I guess he's doing yeah, well, like the I Donald mean, Trump thing of like giving his like opponents shitty nicknames or something. He's trying to like demoralize Doctor Robotnik by calling him Eggman?
0: I I like I think like I think this is like, I think it's like a bad uh, Watsonian explanation to justify the the Doyleist view, which is like he has both of these names in the lore, so we have to figure out, um, they have you have they have to figure out a way to like get both names in in a way that like so that the fans can clap right like type of yeah. deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess that yeah, that makes a certain amount of sense. All right, well, we're coming up on on the hour. So, I want to ask the question, is this where does this stand in the ever expanding pantheon of video game adaptation
0: movies? Uh, for you. Weirdly enough, I think that it might be like near the top. Like <laughs> Like, it's decently, competently done, which is, like, far better than 95% of video game movies, right? Like, I mean, so, unlike kind of, like, a a more objective scale, I think it's near the top. I think, you know, like, we've talked about how, like, Warcraft was kind of fine. Um, uh, I don't think it's my favorite one to watch, which is definitely Mortal Kombat, which is absolutely terrible, but in, like, a fun enough way that you can make fun of it. Yeah. I'm um, gonna enjoy it from that perspective. But like, you know, beat the fucking pants off of like that Assassin's Creed movie garbage that we watched. Um what other, Um I guess the Tomb Raider movies are generally pretty okay, so maybe not like maybe those beat it out. What what do you think?
1: I so my my top video game movie has always been Warcraft. Mostly because it does that thing where it tries really hard and I give it a lot of points for that. And most other video game movies I find like fairly middling. There are some that like, I like, like I really, we did a whole podcast on this. Like I really liked Assassin's Creed, but I don't think Assassin's Creed is very good. Um, I don't know. I mean, detective Pikachu is also right up there with Warcraft. I I remember feeling with those two movies, they were about the same, right? In my, in my head. Um, And I feel like this one also kind of wanted to be Detective Pikachu in a way, but it was just, like, it was, like, I don't know. It was just, like, copied and copied and copied. It's, like, the fifth photoshop or photocopier version of Detective Pikachu. Um... I don't know. It's probably not. It's probably not anywhere close to like the top five or whatever, it, it like of video game adaptations. And I think it marks a very terrible video adaptation, video game adaptation trend. Which is, I don't like the sort of like I I kinda think that if you're gonna do a Sonic movie, if you're gonna do a Mario movie, if you're gonna do any of these kinds of like very like cartoony movies, you should do them animated, right? Like just animate the whole like the whole thing and put Sonic in his weird ass fucking Pixar Sonic world. It's like weird and has different rules than everything else. And his supporting cast should be tails and knuckles. It shouldn't be, you know I don't know, fucking James Marsden, aka plank of wood. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I can agree with that. Like, yeah, no, I, I definitely think that Detective Pikachu was better. Like, Detective Pikachu like hit these points where like, you know, it was, it was good without being like it. It was, it was a good kids movie without being like obnoxious about it. Like this movie is without being like boring, if that makes sense.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, I get that.
0: Like, it has, like, some of those more adult things that make it, like, enjoyable to watch as, like, not a kid. Whereas this movie really doesn't have a lot of those except for Jim Carrey.
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Oh, God. I can't believe I can't believe we did a whole cast in the fucking Sonic movie. I remember thinking when I was walking into it, I was like, I bet this is going to suck and there's going to be, like, fucking nothing to talk about. Um, but no, apparently there is a lot to talk about in the Sonic movie.
0: Yeah, well, we, we, we got distracted with, like, conspiracy theories about hitmen, so you know. Um, I do want to point out that, apparently, in the Deep Sonic lore, Dr. Robotnik and Dr. Eggman are like... <laughs> so, in, in the Deep Sonic Mobius lore, Mobius is the world they inhabit, there's a Dr. Robotnik who is, like, the a, a pure evil kind of bad guy right and then he gets defeated then there's an alternate timeline with dr robotnik but he's he's the one that's like got the eggman nickname and he crosses over and they like merge worlds or something deep sonic lore is very very strange um (laughs) yeah Yeah, okay Um, that actually does sound really fucking strange um and like you know on top of this there's like a a like a hundred different like non-crossing over parallel universes like Sonic Boom, which apparently wasn't a very good game, is apparently like a great like TV show in kind of the same way that like, Oh yeah, Teen the Titans Cartoon Go Network TV show. I heard yeah. I
1: hear about the TV show all the time. Because funnily enough, people who hate Teen Titans Go are like Sonic Boom is so much better than Teen Titans Go. See,
0: I, I was <laughs> under the impression that they were like basically like the same level of, of, of like thing, right? Like not very serious takes, but still fun.
1: Yeah, I guess. Uh, all I know is that Teen Titans Go is still the best. Continues to be the best. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, so we don't. Yeah. We don't have to go back over it.
0: <laughs> have, have, have they released uh, the new season of the old show? That was like a thing that got announced a while ago, right? Oh yeah, season six. Yeah, whatever happened with that? I don't
1: remember. Season six. Yeah, because that was like the whole. That was like the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, release date what do we know But we know about the series supposed return I it doesn't seem to have more information
0: so we don't know fantastic um, yeah. alright well that's enough about that I guess buddy how was your week
1: Okay, well, my week. Okay, what did I do? I played, fuck, I played video games. You know what I've honestly been playing a lot of is a lot of magic. Um, Ooh, I basically like been meeting magic? up with my friends. Yeah, paper magic. I basically been meeting up with my friends every weekend to go play Commander. Um, last weekend we went to a games like a, a local game store. Do you have one of those? a local, like a game, local store? game store yeah in like there are a couple i'm okay
0: yeah yeah i haven't i haven't i don't play at them a lot but you know I, yeah i, I, I mean i was really
1: in. into that when i was younger when it came to like magic right it was much more important to me i guess um the like there were good stores and bad stores and like you know judges or whatever because when i was younger i was playing pro tour qualifiers which was like basically tournaments right like magic tournaments um and there was one in, like, North Jersey, like, North Central Jersey or whatever, and it would be, you know, however many people, and then you'd get into, like, a round of 64 or something like that, and then you could, like, top eight and stuff, um, and you get a certain number of points, and then you go to, a, like, a regionals or something like that. Um, the best I ever did was I got a top eight with this, like, green-white uh, control deck that I liked a lot. Um but uh, but yeah, so now that I'm playing paper magic again, I'm getting like kind of back into like sort of like the local game store like oh, this store has you know a good pl- place this store is over here and so the two stores that I've been going to is one called the game chest, which is um which is near a din tai Fung do you know what din Tai Fung is?
0: yeah, it's like a it's like a isn't it like a higher quality? Um, yeah, it's like it a very t-
1: fancy sort of dim sum dumplings place. Oh,
0: that's a dim sum place. That's right. Yeah. yeah so like- we always go there and we get we
1: get fucking dumplings and then like play magic. Um, and then the other one is Emerald Knights, which is honestly actually very interesting. Emerald Knights is like also a comic book store, uh, but they're famous because it's in Burbank, and in Burbank is also where like W B. Holds their offices. DC comics is now based in Burbank. They used to be based in New York for a really long time, but then they made the move to be fully based in Burbank. So they actually have like stuff that is like signed by like super famous creators all over the place, which is really, uh, which is really sort of neat. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I've just been playing like a ton of, like, I've been playing a ton of commander. Um, and it's funny because the more kind of commander content I end up consuming the more i kind of see another commander one of the nice things about like commander is that like it is a fundamentally broken format that you are sort of like socially required to not break right because like people really hate it like nobody plays land destruction in commander um, because land destruction feels really bad, and like discard decks are just like feel terrible in Commander, so there aren't like a ton of those. And part of it is like part of it is like inside of sort of like, I almost kind of want to call it the diegesis of the game. Part of it is sort of like inside of the mechanics of the game because it's a multiplayer format. People, you will like aggro people by doing things like this, right? By like destroying land. If you if you are the person that drops Armageddon, which destroys all lands. Everybody's on the table. It's going to be like, what the fuck? And they're going to be like gunning for you. So you kind of have like an in-universe, or not in-universe, but like an in-game incentive not to play with that sort of stuff. But at the end, of, but like also on the other side of things, right, like you also have people who are ramping out constantly. And you'll be like, I don't know, like red and white are not good at ramp so the red so like the red white deck is going to be sitting on six lands and like all of the decks that have green in them are playing rampant growth and cultivate and you know all this other stuff so they're ramping out and they have like 90 fucking mana and you're just sitting there like well this this blows this sucks this is not fun
0: um yeah um so so kind of on on this note uh very recently mark rosewater did a two-part series about he is not in charge of design decisions and rules decision for commander um, but he said, like, he gave his opinions on some stuff that, like, some changes that have been proposed. Um, and he talks about this kind of thing, right? Like, oh, is that the uh, podcast that you linked me that I forgot yes. about and didn't listen to? Yeah, I yeah. now
1: need uh, to go listen to this podcast for a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, there, there are two of
0: them. I'll, I'll, I'll go link them for you. And, and he talks about, like, how he thinks certain changes would would apply it. But, like, some of the context that comes with that is that, like, apparently aggro is just terrible in Commander. Because you can't do enough damage to someone, um, uh, before they, uh uh but before like they can like stabilize essentially right yeah Uh, and the other other big part of this is what you mentioned which is that it is at its core a political game right like it shares a lot in common with say like diplomacy right because you have this multiplayer aspect that is like separate like even though it shares like core mechanics and some core tenets with with regular magic the Mm -hmm. kind of political aspect has like a huge a huge influence on the uh on on the way like uh, on the way the game plays out in practice. No,
1: that's very real. It's one, one of the things about commander that's interesting is that I actually think the most valuable thing you can do in a game of commander is politic, right? Where you like okay, let's say somebody drops a threat on the board, you make a deal with that player. I do this all the time and it's funny because okay, so but you know, like my friends are very casual, right? Most of them are like draft players who have like small collections, but like you know reasonably good cards and they can make like reasonably powerful commander decks out of them especially if you know like once i get in touch with people and i can be like hey listen you know you want 38 lands you want eight pieces of ramp you want 10 pieces of card draw kind of at like a baseline and then the rest of the cards you do with what you want sort of thing um and you try to like talk with people and get them sort of like up and running in sort of how you know how games of magic are sort of like supposed to look on this level um they, they get, like, they get pretty good. But, like, because of my PTQ kind of experience where, like, things were very, reg- you, like, regulated and, like, regimented, right? And it was, like, an incredibly competitive environment. So, like, you pick up on and, like, you do things in ways that, like, people don't – like, so, for instance – um. One of the things that you always do in a PT in like a PTQ sort of setting is when you go to attack phase, you don't say, Well, okay, uh, I'm gonna attack you with this and this. You say, I go to combat because you pass a round of priority when your main phase ends, and that is the moment that people need to like tap down your guys. Right, like you have to. If if I have a spell that's like tap a creature and they have an eight eight, and I know it's coming from my face, but I'm gonna tap that creature before it can attack me. You have to do that on the back end of their first main phase. That's when you have the priority, because once they declare it tapped and attacking, it taps immediately and it is attacking no matter what you do. Um, and so like that sort of thing, and there's a bunch of that kind of stuff, right? Like on your end step, I do this, this, and this, right? Or, like, upkeep triggers happening in this way. I have a lot of stuff. And, like, I'm a very Johnny player, so I like getting, like... like complex stack trigger things. It's like, Oh, okay. I'm going to put this on the stack and this on the stack and this on the stack. So I'm going to resolve one, two, three, and then I'm going to maintain priority, put this back on the set, you know, like that kind of stuff that is insanely intimidating to people who are mostly playing like draft. And so I just kind of sit down at a table and I'm already like the person that people point their decks at if somebody like puts like a small creature that just like can attack on turn two 100 percent that creature is attacking me <laughs> even if i'm not even like playing a good deck or whatever um and part of it is just like the politics of it right like right. the way that i play magic is like an intimidating way to play magic i guess um compared to the way you know lots of other people do
0: yeah and you know like it's like it. it is why diplomacy can like I have known people that don't like playing diplomacy. And it's very pretty clearly because people don't they, they have annoying aspects to their personality and people use diplomacy as an excuse to kind of shit on them. Um, and, you know, it's it's uh, it, it can be it can be friendship destroying in that way. Personally. Oh, yeah.
1: No, th- I mean, that happens with people who don't honor deals. That's happened to me in commander games when I was playing in college because um, like w- when you're playing with an advanced pod, right? Everybody is constantly making deals with everybody else. Like everybody understands that you make those kinds of arrangements because that's real like deals are real power in a way that right. like is hard to explain to like a like like a novice or whatever. because like if I convince you to send your 25 25 at them, and not at me well now i don't need to chump block with one of my guys and i have saved myself from effectively a destroy creature effect right like um, uh, imagine a world where there is no politics and that creature comes at me and then a world with politics where it doesn't the difference between those from from my perspective, is that de- destroy creatures effect. So there's effectively a, a separate spell that is being cast on my creature. And I was able to counter that spell and all of that is just politics, right? And that's yeah, something well, that people you, don't have
0: you're, a you're describing basically political capital as, as a resource, which is Right, like exactly.
1: You, but people don't think about that in terms yeah. of magic, right? Like you think yeah. of you, you think of cards, right? You think of like boards and stuff like that. Um And so what'll happen is, like, if you're an advanced pod, everybody's constantly making deals with everybody else. It's like, okay, I won't counter this thing, but you can't point that creature at me. Okay, fine. So that creature comes into play, and it's, like, hitting my opponents or whatever. Or, you know, I'm going to resolve this creature, but I'm not going to use his activated ability until you attack. If you attack that person. Okay, fine. Right? Like, those kinds of deals get made all the time. When someone in an advanced pod makes a deal and then breaks it, especially under, like, lawyerly pretenses, and one of the people in my old pod was, you know, pre-law, so he loved doing this kind of bullshit, it, like, really rocks the foundation of, like, your friendships with these people, right? Like, you make a deal with somebody, they're like, "Uh, I won't counter your thing if, you know... You let me untap with whatever. And they're like, "Okay, fine. Then you untap with all of your shit. And then on the upkeep, they do so they like destroy the creature. And it's like, well, obviously, I wanted to do more with it than just like, fucking but it's like ah well you said you just wanted to untap with it yeah well untap with it is code for i get to use it it goes i play the card it goes around it loses 7 sickness and i get to use it on my turn i didn't get to use it on my turn and you have these arguments with people right like these these incredibly like heated real arguments with real passion and emotion behind them about like the politics of the game and so yeah woof. woof. And then if somebody breaks your – if if somebody, like, breaks your trust, you just never make a deal with them ever again. And it's, like, huge. <laughs> you know, like, that's a no, big deal.
0: And, like, anyway, the thing that's, like, yeah. fun about that, too, is, like – and, you know, obviously it's it's usually a little bit more flexible in games like Diplomacy because that's, like, part of the game, right? Like, it is explicitly mm. coded into the rules to, like, backstab People the only way things get done. So it's not as bad. But, like, even in that case, right, like, the effects go beyond – the, the game that you're playing right it's like a meta effect right like it's you know next time you play a game with this person you will not trust them and you might try and force them to lose just because you're still bitter oh that happens right? all <laughs> so
1: there's a concept in commander called playing for second which is like when you when you get to an advanced sport like 15 turns in or whatever yeah you, everybody sort of realizes that like player x is gonna win the game now everybody is playing one another to try and lose least right like it's like okay nobody has an answer for this like crazy thing that's going on that's fine um but player x has to test to loop the table three times before he can attack me with his like hexproof, indestructible twenty five twenty five commander that's going to one shot each of us this unblockable or something like that and so it's just like now you are fighting with the other people to die last because like second is more valuable than fourth right um yeah, so, oh, that stuff happens all the time.
0: <laughs> my 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 favorite version of this is ba- back in high school. I used to play a lot of uh, Carcassonne with uh with um uh, like friend of the cast Zao and some other uh, friend, some other of my friends from high school. Like we played so much that like we all had like working knowledge of it's a tile laying game um mm-hmm. and so like we had working knowledge of like how many of each type of tile were in the deck which you otherwise don't keep in your head. Right? Like as you're learning the game it's like like you build like like castles and like fields and like roads, right? And you just come like, oh, this is a piece with a castle tile and a road tile on it, right? Or like, you know, this is one with a monastery that ends the road. It's called a rotastry, and there are two of those in the base set. And I still remember that, right? Like, because it's like you get yourself to these very specific situations where like only that tile will uh, will complete this path, right? So, um, but like. Um, when you play it that much, you start, like, the, the politics stuff, of course, getting important. And my, my favorite version of this is what I call the kingmaker, right? It's the player who isn't going to win, but he gets to decide who wins based on who he fucks up more. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Okay. That is
1: absolutely a thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, there's two people, and it could clearly go either way. And it's just whether the third person decides that he, like – like, I had I had a friend who, like, would openly say to me – I don't care about winning. I just want to make sure that you lose. <laughs> and... <laughs> well, yeah. And so, and one of the interesting things about
1: magic is that there are a lot of effects that aren't symmetrical in that sort of way. Like, so for instance, uh, a new card from the new set, Theros Beyond Death, is called Kiora Best the Sea God. And it's a saga, um, like the sagas that are from Dominaria. Um, it is seven mana, so it's a pretty hefty spell. But um, the, the sagas go one, two, three. Uh, first, it makes an 8-8. Eight, eight, crack in with hex proof then it taps down all an opponent's non nonland land permanents they don't untap on their untap step um and the third thing it does is you gain control of a permanent or whatever and in a game where i was playing with some of my friends right people all read that card and kind of implicitly read the second phase where it's like you know target opponent tap all non-land permanents target opponent controls those permanents don't untap on their next untap step right they all understood that to mean implicitly them right because like in a 1v1 version of magic that is definitionally true you only have one opponent it can only target one opponent you know like that just that's how the effect would obviously resolve but in commander no i have to choose one of three people who are going to get tapped down and that person is going to get like fucked up pretty hard and one of the points of that, like, one of the, the sort of pressure points of that game is where um, we were talking about it and people started to realize that, like, oh, wait, no, that that could hit Warren. It might not hit me. That might hit Cammie it might not hit me so maybe like the thing that i'm supposed to be doing here is like not pissing buddy off or whatever like not building a board that buddy feels like threatened by or whatever else um and i think that's part of like the natural sort of like progression as these sorts of like metas form right we're in a place now where like i'm probably gonna enter every do you know what the arch enemy is have i explained that on the cast before
0: no i don't think you have
1: uh arch enemy is a format of magic which is 3v1 um there is the like a player's deck and then there's what's called the arch enemy deck and the arch enemy deck is like a uh it's basically a spell that auto casts on the arch enemy which is the one on the arch enemy's upkeep he flips the top card of that deck and it does a thing and it might be like destroy a land on for each of your opponents or put down two extra you like you can search your library for two extra land cards put it into play it's stuff that like helps like balance out the imbalance of a 3v1 format like that um and in commander the person who is like winning right like the person who is ahead on the board is the archenemy, and because we're in a position where like i'm kind of the expert player in the room i like i have the best understanding of the rules and right like you know i have the most experience playing the game and everything like that i kind of walk into every game as the arch enemy but over time that's actually probably going to end up changing depending on like the other folks that we're playing with and what they're you know like and what their cards look like and what their sort of decks look like i don't even have a very great win rate for the arch enemy though this weekend i did go two and oh big uh big yikes um uh but, like, yeah, you, there is, you, like... You are
0: truly a masterful player, buddy. I will give you your the kudos that you so so greatly deserve. Thank you. I really
1: appreciate it. Well, so I have a couple of different decks, and, like, some of my decks are, like, kind of more explicitly powerful than others. Fair um, enough. And in one of... And on the on the second game, I probably should have lost, but Rachel didn't attack me when I was, like, really weak and kind of, like, let me stabilize. Um, and it was, like, a whole thing or whatever. Ooh, but, ooh, is, uh, is, is,
0: is, is this, like... You know, wife politics. You didn't attack him because he's your husband. No, the people that are unfair. bloodiest...
1: The the two bloodiest players are me and Rachel. Because we go after each other. I think Rachel's deck, which is... Okay, so it's... Uh, so my deck is Eureka, which is a blue-black ninja's deck. Which is like... Uh, Yuriko is great because, one, she generates a lot of board control. Two, she's insanely cheap. Um, and three, she's a very resilient commander, right? Um, the thing is, is that in commander, every time your commander dies, you have to pay two more mana to bring them out. But because Yuriko can use what's called ninjutsu from the command zone, um, Yuriko always comes out for two mana right essentially as long as i have a creature that is unblocked and attacking yuriko pops out at two mana and her effect kind of like hits and then her effect draws me cards drains my opponents for like life or whatever and i'm in blue and black which are powerful colors rachel's deck which is like diametrically opposed to this is a white red green tokens deck and her commander um He's a 2-5 five for 5 mana. He comes into play and puts a 4-4 Rhino into play. And then he has an attack trigger This is that when he attacks, you populate a creature token and put it into play tapped and attacking. What populate does is you, you select one of your creature tokens and you just put in a, a copy of it. And that token essentially enters with haste, right? So Geared comes down on turn five, no ramp, right? Like, let's just assume no ramp has taken place. Girid comes down on turn five, and then on turn ten, or on, I'm sorry, on turn six, he's attacking you with ten power because he's attacking you, essentially, with two 4-4 Rhinos and himself for two mana. The Rhinos also have Trample, which fucking blows. Um, most games where I'm playing Eureka and Rachel's playing Girid, I am sending Eureka at her face, because I think Geert is, like, incredibly strong, and he runs away with games really easily. Because he can just, like, populate all these fucking tokens and get these huge boards kind of out of nowhere. So, like, Yuriko is fast and kind of aggressive. It's funny that Mark Rosewater says that, like, aggro doesn't work, because I actually think of Yuriko as a very aggro, very tempo deck. Um And... And so, yeah, so there is no collusion. We just fucking, we go for the throat every time. Uh, the one thing that was happening is that I was at seven life, which is really low. And then Cammy was at like 50 some odd life, which is obviously like very high. So Rachel had, you know, about 15 power on the board. And she was like, you know what? I want to chunk Cammy's life total while I have an opportunity. Cause she's like, she's got a lot of life right now. And that's bad. Um, which, you know, that's a fair decision, but she would have won the game if she had attacked into me. Um, I think, I don't remember if I had an answer or not
0: yeah well that's anyway
1: that's what i've been doing this week i can't believe we've spent 20 minutes on this i just commander Commander's is great i'm really having a lot of fun with it um it's funny because yeah. uh the i continue to hold fast that regular magic fucking blows uh i was watching uh, a magic the gathering arena stream and i was like god this fucking sucks uh,
0: <laughs>
1: but uh but yeah yeah so um, what have you been up to tell me all about tell me all about it tell me about your week
0: all right. So, uh, well, it's been like a week and a half uh, because we forgot to record because we're idiots. We're, um, yeah, we're really good at
1: this. <laughs> yeah, Megan's actually recording from his
0: hotel room during Mardi Gras in New Orleans. New Orleans <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, I you know what I'll start I'll start from the back then, just to kind of highlight that. Today I went to the New Orleans City Park and went to the sculpture garden there and the botanical garden there, and all of those things are gorgeous and I highly recommend them to anybody out there in the area who like lives near New Orleans or like, you know, is here on vacation, check those things out. Um the park is free, the sculpture garden's free, the botanical garden's like eight dollars. Um um, but if you are a resident of Louisiana, apparently it's free on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. But they're all they're all delightful. They're all great. Um, I highly recommend them. Um, uh, moving backwards into things we usually talk about, um, all this week I have been playing less Destiny and I've been playing a bunch of Apex Legends with friend of the cast, Monic, and sometimes X and sometimes Jun-Ki. Um That's
1: a weird thing. I've seen a lot more people playing Apex le- Legends recently. Yeah, um,
0: I don't. I think this the 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 season the new season just started. They added a new legend. His name is Revenant. Um, He's like an assassin type. He's like, Mm -hmm. if Pathfinder's the nice robot, Revenant's the mean robot. Um, He's just like kind of a dick in his voice lines, right? Like, like, I'm not thanking you for that. I I feel so bad every time I play him. So I don't play him very much. But uh, um, he's a cool character. I know, he's a character. Um, But, you know, the game is as compelling as it ever was is i guess the way i'm going to put it um you know it's got less say aim assist than uh than uh destiny so like as good as i feel playing that game i don't feel it as much here because i'm like i miss a bunch right? I miss a bunch more than i do in destiny um and so i've taken to actually like at the start of every day i play i do like 15 minutes of freaking shooting drills because i'm like i want to hit people with my gun um which feels like very try hard to me but it's like eh if I want to win the game, I want to win the game, I guess, right? Yeah, jeez. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's not a ton of time, but it's like, oh, I just got to make sure that, like, I can flick. You know, I can, like, you know, move the mouse to somebody else, make the hit, and come back. And, you know, I've seen my shooting ability improve, so it definitely works. Um, uh, and I would recommend looking up some drills online. And, doing, like I said, 15 minutes a day isn't that much, and you can improve your shooting game. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Um they did some This since the last time we played, they've made some made some balance changes like uh the Devotion light machine gun is now a crate weapon instead of an energy weapon. There's a couple new weapons um on the field. Um but it's it's still it's still a fun game. It's still very intense. Um I think our group is still kind of figuring out the right way to play because we're used to we played a lot of PUBG back in the day. Um, which is like two years, I guess, ago at this point, which isn't that far uh, far away, but you know,
1: honestly, it is funny because like that does feel like very recent, yeah. right? Like the whole PUBG battle royale phenomenon. I actually kind of feel like PUBG sort of like lost out. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it's 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 so it doesn't have like the kids playing it, which is what Fortnite has.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And then I feel like all the series people moved to Apex.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's. I think it's also because it's it's free, right? Like you get a built-in base. PUBG still costs thirty bucks, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I think we're used to playing PUBG, which you can play a lot slower, right? Like characters don't move as fast. Um, guns are less accurate. It's more realistic. Um, so things kind of.
1: Oh yeah, Th- then there's also Escape from Tarkov, which is similar, right? That was the other so one that Esca- Monic was talking about.
0: Yeah, so Escape from Tarkov kind of oscillates. Escape from Tarkov is less a battle royale game and more kind of like a persistent survival game where you go, like, hunt down loot from, like, different places and you can lose it all if you die. Um, I don't quite know what, like, the objectives, like, like, what you're ultimately aiming to do other than, like, making yourself a better fighter, which, you know, is its mm-hmm. own reward but it's not like you know like in battle Rails, you have the very clear goal of like be the last one standing in this match um uh but i haven't played tarkov myself so i can't directly speak to that i'm waiting for it to hit like a real platform because right now they only sell it off of their website and i think they're like based in eastern europe so this is, this is like a one too many levels of sketchy for me to Yeah, really I mean it's into.
1: it's crazy cuz like PUBG right now, I mean, I I so, I don't actually like doing this because I don't think it's that representative. Uh but just like as a, you know, like a quick shorthand, um PUBG is at 11,000 viewers whereas Apex is 50,000 and Fortnite is obviously 200k, right? Um yeah. but like, you know, for the like that puts PUBG below, you know, World of Warcraft at 30k, Hearthstone at 15k, you know, Smash Brothers 17, Dead by Daylight at 13k, uh, Conan Exiles is at 14k. Wolson, do you know Wolson Lords of Mayhem? Wilson. So I
0: have been playing Wolson Lords of Mayhem. That's the only oh thing God. for me to talk about. Well, yeah, that's uh, at
1: 14k viewers on Twitch. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, and you know, I also think there might be some like Twitch parts to that, right? Like, you know, like I said, PUBG's slower, so I think it's, like, worse to watch, in a way, especially if there's not an event happening, because, um, like, you know, if you're playing smart, it's, like, a lot of, like, sitting in a corner, which doesn't happen as much in Apex, but um, to, to 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 the thing you've mentioned, Lo- Wolves Lords of Mayhem, um, is another game I've been playing. Wolves Lords of Mayhem is uh, in the same kind of vein as, say, Diablo and Path of Exile, it's very much that looter. It's been in early access for a while. I actually... Picked it up. I want to see a lot. So I saw it on Steam, like, maybe, like, five years ago. Put it on my wish list. Like, two years ago, I actually bought it (laughs) because it was on sale. And, like, the price kept going up during early access. I played it for, like, 15 minutes. It was very unfinished. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then, like, last week, they're like, surprise, we're launching into 1.0. And, like, the patch note says, like, added the game. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, As a professional
1: writer of patch notes, I grant that a good chuckle
0: yeah um but like you know it's got i I haven't gotten super deep into it but it has like uh, a a story um which is kind of like hokey but whatever right um it's uh it's very pretty looking right like path of exile i think one of the biggest things doesn't look like a modern game and the animations are kind of i mean i'm looking at it now it looks
1: just like a diablo to be honest well, it is amazing crazy. how much, like, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not trying to, like, whatever, but just, like, how much of, like, the aesthetic language is Diablo, right? Like, the gold on the ground in, like, little yeah. chunks and stuff like that.
0: Um, I think it is. it does look a bit better. It's it's a CryEngine game, believe it or not, right? Like, wow, it is,
1: yeah. Well, that's, I mean, like, I, I do think it looks better than Diablo 3 in terms of just, like, aesthetics like graphics
0: right yeah but but you're right style wise it does very much hit Diablo. Like the 3. ui looks exactly like yeah. diablo
1: the character sheet looks exactly like diablo
0: um so the inventory is also everything is two box kind of or uh, almost you know it, it's got like similar inventory sizing to diablo um honestly it like very clearly is like trying to split the difference in my mind at least between diablo 3 and path of exile mm-hmm. path of exile is like super hardcore Right, and like it's a free-to-play game, so there's like a lot of grindy bits to it, and it doesn't have quite as many. Right, like um, you get skills from items in uh, Path of Exile um, by socketing gems that have skills on them, and and like so, like the most important thing in Path of Exile is how many sockets your items have and how they're arranged, what colors they have on them. Um, this game, you find you have to find the skills, but you learn them once. And then you level them up individually, um, like you do in, uh, in, in uh, Path of Exile. But unlike Path of Exile, there's like, no variation on the gems. Right? You can't get like special versions of the skill gems that have mm-hmm. like, slightly different stats or whatever. Um, you only learn them once, and then they also have runes, kind of like Diablo has runes. They're not called runes, but it's effectively the same system. Um, it's a little bit more complex than Diablo. You basically, as a skill levels up, you get points to spend on the skills. And you've got a sheet in, of skill of runes, and those runes all have a cost associated with them. So you can uh, you can pick some combination of runes. Um, so you get a little bit more complexity than Diablo, but you don't have like the kind of like infinite combinatorics of Path of Exile. Um, like the passives are big and vast, but they're not quite as big and as insane as Path of Exile. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe I made you look at the uh, the Path of Exile passive sheet. Oh yeah, no, that
1: screenshot is hilarious. I mean, like, I get get it, because I think it's the same sort of, like... There's a lot of stuff that if you just sort of, like, saw it on its face and you weren't familiar with, like, the context, you'd go, like, what the fuck? But that definitely had me go, like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah. And this gets close to that, but it's not as bad, right? Like, there are less nodes, but they're in three rings, and you can rotate the rings. You can get, like, different builds if you want to. Um, There's also... It's also kind of, like it's uh, there's 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 like different classes of skills i i think it plays uh it plays well it's it's a little bit janky not in kind of aesthetic like poe, POE is mm-hmm. it's a little bit janky in that like some things don't quite click right like sometimes some enemies you can't click on quite evenly i think that like what i would call like a quality of life improvement right there are, like some like in, in particular as an example there are these like little bad enemies um and i like I think there should probably be some more fuzzing on like the click box to make them easier to click or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, that's just like a quality of life thing that I, I'm sure I'll come at some point. Um, and I've only found one legendary weapon so far, which you know makes sense. I haven't been playing for a super long time, but like at least the ethics on that one isn't super interesting, so it might just not be as as uh, as legendary reliant. I guess is the way I'm going to put it. As some other games are Um, like it's like Diablo is but you know Mm -hmm. um, it's still fun it's still compelling like I want to give it more time I have seen peaks of things towards the end game that imply that it opens up a lot in certain ways like there's a I think there's like a town building aspect towards the end of it Um, but like I said I haven't gotten there yet but uh yeah it's a super fun game I highly recommend it Uh, for anybody who likes that genre of game it's kind of like clicking in running things over um another thing is that like there are no assigned classes it's free form so like you give yourself points but like uh like skill points but like you know i'm using a basically a pistol and a one-handed weapon as my weapon loadout but you can do two-handed there's like a magic set of things and there some of the skills are locked to certain weapon classes but like it's fairly flexible um and it's it's a little bit more open than uh than other games so like it's not as quite as open i don't think as path of exile but it's definitely more open than say uh than diablo so um if you've got it's like only 30 bucks so uh give it a shot if you're into that kind of thing um only other thing i want to mention before we get out of here is uh i played some more uh pathfinder 2 over last weekend oh nice Uh, yeah which is um i'm enjoying the system a lot um I don't think it's perfect, but I'm definitely looking forward to putting more time into it. My character is hit level two, and I'm going to become a Hell Knight Armager, so I'm excited for that. Um, yeah, and like, I think the three action economy works really well. Um, I think Paizo's module, like, our, our my my DM is basically like running the module straight out of the book, at least at the moment, because he he hasn't DM'd in a while, and we like, okay, whatever. I definitely think that like those those things aren't as powerful as as good home done content but you know still fun it's still early so uh nothing but positive thoughts so far on that um but i think that's everything for my week buddy do you have anything else you want to talk about with your week no i think i've
1: got all of it
0: all right well in that case if you'd like to write to us and tell us what you think about uh sonic the hedgehog the movie or any other things we talked about in this podcast like where we can buy hitman you can reach us at somedriftsplaygames at gmail.com or pockets at somedriftsplaygames.com i should probably note that you probably shouldn't we're not actually looking for hitman so don't do that don't don't <laughs> hire hitman <laughs> um if you would like to uh i guess come and say hi to us we'll both be at pax east in a couple weeks so that's you know. true
1: i will be at booth 23036 at uh the indie mega booth promoting gone viral and relic hunter zero remix. we have two demos for both of those games that are packs uh like the packs east demos and they're fucking fantastic
0: uh i mean i'll definitely stop by and check them out um and i might give you some some shit but you know uh you are going to be working so you know don't I, nobody listens to this podcast so it's not important but i think it goes on said that you shouldn't go for us <laughs> too much um uh but definitely go play his company's games uh Uh, And then, uh, you know, all the other stuff, Twitter, Patreon, subscribe, comment, whatever. Um, uh, Buddy, do you have anything else you want to promote?
1: I have nothing else I'm looking to promote.
0: In that case, until next time, dear listeners.
1: Until next time, loyal listeners.